You know what? It's time for another bleep show known as the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and our week in IndyCar. It's the guest episode, though. It's where we have someone of high achievement and wonderful repute. So who better to have on the show here than our man who has bleepy, blinky sounds. He must be backing up or something, Try not to hit something. <laughs> that would be Andretti Autosports. Napa Auto Parts, Auto Nation, Honda's favorite son, your 2016 8500 winner, Alexander Rossi. How is that for a, a lead in there? That's a, that's a big lead in. I think the held in high repute, if that's what you said. I don't think you could be referring to me, but I appreciate the uh, sentiment hey, nonetheless. So we're, happy we're to be here. Sentimental idiots, if nothing less. Well, as usual, we have a ridiculous amount of questions for you, many of them sent from clear, almost cult-like devotees to this Off Track with Hinch and Rossi podcast of yours. I don't know why they're sending the questions here for you when they could probably do it on your own show, but nonetheless, you got a lot of folks who I think wake up and pray to little figurines of you or like one eight, what eighteen scale <laughs> models or something that have candles around it and incense. You got a cult, man. You need to lead them. That's all I'm saying. I, so you mentioned that you have uh, a, a kind of following on your podcast, and they, they are referring to themselves kind of as prude day listeners or whatever. And you 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 said it was a subcult. So what? What defines a subcult versus a cult? Like how small of a fan base are we talking? Well, I, large, I yeah, I don't know if in my mind, Alex, it goes towards size. It goes more towards willingness for public identification versus keeping it on the down low. So while right. the insane folks who are part of this self-created Day thing, they don't keep themselves totally in the shadows but they aren't, it's not an open group necessarily. You, I don't know what you have to do, you know, 100 push-ups or something to qualify. Whatever it is, you know, they let themselves be known a little bit, but they're, clearly there's some sort of NSA, FBI. There might be a few members who are, you know, being sought after, so they keep it on the down low. That's why I say subcult. When I think of real cults, those are the people trying to invite you to some sort of island and, uh, give them all your money, buy them Rolls Royces, live nude, and probably try and kill you at some point. I mean, it sounded halfway decent until then. Yeah. <laughs> until they kill you at some point. Yeah, I'm kind of in the anti-death and murder category. I don't know if uh, sure. I'm alone there. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Makes sense. Sounds like we got uh, you in the bathroom now, by the way. How are things going there? Um, I'm, I'm not in the bathroom. I just bought these stupid little airpod things oh and i'm not a fan so well we'll switch back to normal phone how's that hey it's like it's like you're in the room with us and you don't have to wash your hands wonderful all right right. glad we sorted all that see well thanks for coming on man hope things go well for you this weekend all right well let's get rolling here you got a lot of questions and the first one is from some idiot named pruitt hey you just got to drive your somewhat newly liveried andretti autosport hot rod and you are getting ready to race in the Rolex 24 this weekend. New team, same car. Maybe give us just a general catch-up on your life of busyness. And then also running and buying, I think, printer cartridges and stuff, which you just did. 
you are a man who's just going nuts right about now. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's the start of a new year, which in a lot of ways is whether it's realistic or not, you know, it, it's, uh, it's exciting, um, to, to kind of be, be through 2020 and, and hopefully on to, to better things. Um, so yeah, I mean the, we were, we were back on track in the IndyCar last week and it kind of coincided with the, the first shakedown for Wayne Taylor racing and, and the uh, Acura uh, DPI car. So um, that was a busy, busy Tuesday. I was kind of on, on both sides of the fence um, trying to, to do double duty, if you will. And then, um, yeah, it led right into the roar, uh, which was this past weekend. And um, I came home for a couple of days just because I had some, some IndyCar stuff uh, to deal with back here. I'll fly back to Daytona tomorrow morning and then testing the IndyCar again Monday. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's a full schedule right now, but I'm I'm thrilled to to kind of be back in the car and, and getting back to work, and I would take it over um, playing video games in my basement any day. Good man, good good man. Yes, we're gonna leave the Connor Daily lifestyle well behind. You're like <laughs> you know you're a professional. Um, all right, we got a mix of serious and silly, which is normal. I just feel like you know what we just need to start off in the right place here courtesy of our pal Paul Trahan, who says, would you rather drink a bottle of bourbon with Santino Ferrucci or be trapped in an elevator for six hours with your off track with Hinch and Rossi super producer, Tim Durham, AKA Thim. I mean, both don't sound terrible. I mean, I, I mean, if you're with Santino, you get bourbon to kind of take the edge off. And if you're in an elevator with Tim, yeah, I can't really think of a positive there. So yeah. I guess I'm gonna, uh, yeah, I guess it's it's a bottle of bourbon with Santino. Yeah, I mean, at least if you're with uh, with Tim, you don't hear the word bro a lot. So that could be That's a positive. True. That could be a positive. But, but what are we going to do? Nothing. <sighs> Awkward staring. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Awkward yeah, I'll, staring I'll skip with, that. with I'll skip that. Rossi and Durham. That no, might thanks. not be the podcast uh, to kick off here. Um, <laughs> let's go to our man, JJ Gertler. Who, said, who asked a question that a couple of folks have asked something similar, saying, last year we saw that things didn't exactly get off to a rocket launch with Andretti Autosport. Uh, obviously got a lot better as the season progressed. Curious, how do you address that as a team? Is that something you have input on as a driver saying, hey guys, how do we come out of the gate stronger and better? It's an obvious thing you want, but how do you help manifest that? Um, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a rude awakening for, for the whole organization. And I think, um, the, the 500 was really just the, the nail in the coffin, um, in terms of what the realization of what we were doing wasn't working. And, um, it took a lot of soul searching and, and meetings and discussions. And, and I was a part of the majority of those, um, and, and kind of just trying to redefine, you know, what, what we were doing off track and, and once we got to the track and, and how we needed to execute differently and be better. And I think, um, it, w it wasn't fun to kind of go through that process, but I think the, the whole team, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna have a year like we did or, or the start of a year, like we did, the, the biggest shame I think is to, you know, come out of it, not learning anything and, and just expecting things to, to go back to normal. So in a lot of ways, you know, I think we've we've spun it into a, a benefit for us, and and a lot of our 
methodologies and, and mindsets have, have changed. Um, and, and we kind of were starting to see the beginning of that in the second half of, of last year. And, um, you know, I think the team's in a really good place right now. It's, uh, it was, it was depressing for all of us to be a part of 2020, whether it's racing related or not. And at the end of the day, we can find a little bit of comfort in the fact that when people look back on last year, IndyCar racing is not going to be at the forefront of their mind. Um, so hopefully we, we got our worst year out of the way and we can sneak under the radar and come back much better this year. What's your approach to a situation like that, Alex? Because we hear or maybe you read, pick whatever your one of your favorite sports teams might be if they're having a down year inevitably there's going to be a story about you know one of the the senior players destroyed the locker room and is throwing chairs and cursing out everybody not just for the sake of of letting off steam but just to demonstrate how angry and serious the situation is to them to therefore hopefully coax a turnaround or change an attitude then you get some others who are very silent and or you get somewhere super encouraging put the arm around everyone's shoulder What's your approach to trying to help to try and help without maybe I don't know can you step out of your lane or is every lane open to you in a situation like that? I mean I think at, at that point you know when you're throwing away Indy 500 wins and and you know starting you know we look at the biggest thing for us was you look at Saturday qualifying Indianapolis right it was an Andretti Autosport one through four and then we do all of we don't even get on the front row for the race and then the race you have three or four cars that are you know probably pretty capable of winning it and um you don't you don't even come close and so that was kind of the the point where it was like okay there there needs to be there needs to be we need to do something different because this is clearly isn't isn't working to get the results that we all are are wanting there was never a lack of effort or commitment or desire. I don't think that that's never the problem. Um, motivation is, is we're never short on motivation. It was just kind of getting caught up in ourselves in a lot of ways. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I sat down with everyone from, from mechanics to engineers to kind of management and, and, and Michael and Rob and everyone and, and kind of all talked to them separately just to try and understand kind of any areas where I could be better or different and, and influence things in a different way. And, and I think it was just having these conversations and, and kind of understanding the the flow of things and then doing my part um, to, to kind of either be someone who was encouraging, you know, people during the week um, leading into events or, or demonstrating kind of my commitment in other, in other ways, it was just kind of having those conversations um, without getting into too much detail about what they were about um, that, that kind of sparked the, the inner lookings of, of to what we were doing. And I think we were able to identify weaknesses pretty quickly and, um, you know, start formulating a plan to, 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 to improve upon those areas and to make our strengths even better. So like I said, it, it was a, it was a good thing to have happen to us if we, if we use the opportunity correctly. And um, you know, I'm, I'm very confident in what we're doing right now and, and how the team is, is kind of gelling together. Yeah. Between Colton winning uh, later in the year, seemingly could not get you off of the podium. Uh, Hunter Ray, obviously, you know, podium and a lot of potential there, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, all that work was certainly paying off. Uh, 
Let's uh, do a little bit of switching around to a variety of fun questions as my cat Rocky joins us and is wanting to drink milk out of my cereal bowl <laughs> I should have put away. How you doing, Rock? Uh, let's see. Eric Franklin says, Alex, do drivers notice livery changes to their car, especially if there's uh, a change of branding or sponsorship during a double header? And I guess I'll also draw notice to the uh, stripiness added to year number 27 Napa Honda that we saw in testing at Sebring last week. Do you get involved in any of that? Do they ask you to weigh in on thoughts and what do you think of the new livery? Um, I, so I wouldn't have even noticed it was different unless people pointed it out. So that's how much <laughs> I pay attention. Um, obviously I notice when it changes from blue and yellow to pink and gray. Um, and no, I have no involvement. I will say though, so my my Auto Nation livery is kind of going to be debuted next week um, in Sebring, and it's awesome. Like I'm I'm a really big fan of it. So uh, I think people will be really excited to see what that car looks like. So so stay tuned. Uh, Ryan Terpstra, uh, who I refer to as my show's Spirit Vegetable, he hasn't quite reached a status of Spirit Animal. Uh, he asks, do golf carts work better with or without wheels? I think we could probably. Uh, Cover that one off I pretty mean, quickly. They work better with wheels, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not all my listeners are nice, Alex. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, let's see. Where should we go here? All right. I, as I mentioned before we started recording, man, you got some folks who just listen to every word you guys say. Uh, Ross Porter, good good pal of the show here, says, Alex, first off, how's the flight training going? And most importantly, is a huge fan of yours and bourbon. How long until we see an Alexander Rossi edition whiskey come out? Well, um, it's very expensive to have your own label of bourbon, so never. And um, the closest you're going to get is is kind of um, the bourbon group that uh, me and James and, and Rob, and actually now Connor, are a part of. Um, it's called IBS, which irritable no okay yeah. um, yes. indiana bourbon society you know we could have thought more about what that acronym <laughs> also means but nonetheless um we do do barrel picks so we had a, a barrel pick of blanton's um that was that was ours and there's another one that's going to be released of a different brand um next month so that's as close as you're going to get to my name being on a bottle of bourbon and flight training is going well to quite well um it's difficult to learn how to fly in indianapolis in the winter though i have to say the amount of days that i've had scheduled that have had to be canceled because of of conditions um is vast but nonetheless we're about 65 percent of the way through the process and uh hope to have my license in early march wow all right, I'm going to try not to get either of us sent to the principal's office here. But as someone who is known for enjoying brown liquor, right, kind of stuff sure. that, you know, uh, there, there's no doubt about its strength. Did I not just read a press release? I didn't read it. I'd be lying. I saw the headline uh, about you and your Andretti Autosport team. And you're now, a, is it a brand representative for a non-alcoholic product? Uh, that, that is correct. Um, I'm going to look really silly because I don't quite know how to pronounce it. Um, but it is a, it is a non-alcoholic beer. It's, it's very, very popular in, in Europe. Um, so they're kind of a, an associate sponsor of the team. They're going to be on my car. I'm a brand ambassador of theirs. And before my first appearance for them, I'll know how to pronounce Klaus Taller. Klaus Taller, I believe. Klaus Taller. Maybe. Okay. Hey, 
we'll make it up. So the guy who loves kick you in the crotch bourbon <laughs> is the man, well, is the go-to well, yeah, man for non-alcoholic beer. I mean, hey, I mean, on a Monday, you're, you're not going to drink bourbon. You're not going to drink bourbon, so you're not going to. I'm not going to drink any liquor, so you might as well have a nice, refreshing cost tolerance. Jeez, you probably just made money by saying that. They're sending you probably. dough. God, you're good. You're so good. Uh, let's go to Andy Bauer. Uh, while we just bounce around and there's no linearity to the show whatsoever. Sure. Yeah. Alex, can you share your thoughts on Romain Grandchamp potentially joining the series? And I'll mention this on my Week in IndyCar listener show part one, which I haven't even recorded yet. But uh, they're supposed to announce him today. I'm told that that now might happen next week. But uh, assuming nothing changes and good old Romain comes over here, what do you think about the guy? Did you get to know him at all? Um, well, no, not really. Um, I, I, I've met him, obviously I've had conversations with him, but, but we were kind of in different, uh, social circles, if you will, I guess. Um, and he, yeah, anyways, aside from that, I mean, I think it's, it's fantastic. I think yet again, um, the international interest from, you know, pretty big names to IndyCar is, is just another sign of, of how, awesome the sport that we get to compete in is um you know i, I was talking to to uh, kevin magnuson who i mean it's a slightly different scenario but kind of the same and, and he was just saying how much he loved um being in the dpi car and, and just being able to compete for wins again and just get back to to driving the piss out of a race car um he just missed it so much and didn't realize how much he missed that competitive side of it um, so I think Roman will have the the same feeling, and you know I I am thrilled that um, he's able to get something together. I'm thrilled that he's still you know passionate about racing after what we obviously witnessed um, a couple months ago is is being pretty pretty horrendous, and um, it's great that he's getting the opportunity over here. So um, I look forward to to racing with him and getting to know him better. Might sound maybe just a total homer statement coming here on my part, but. As I've told you before, one of the things that I have loved most for you in your move to IndyCar is that sense of achievement and I think fulfillment that you weren't able to have while pursuing your dream of Formula One. You didn't have a car that measured up to your talent and capability. Here, you've been able to demonstrate all of it and certainly appear like, wow, this is giving me the thing that I crave. I have that same hope and belief of that possibility for Romain as well, where he's had, you know, a good year or two here, there in F1, but it seems like there might be a, a door opening to him here where he could just be happy, run towards the front and feel like the, the world he's wanted for himself is now possible. I mean, how much stock should we put in that possibility here? I mean, a, a lot. I mean, and it's so easy. I can speak from firsthand experience. I mean, when you're on that trajectory and, and your vision and mindset is only Formula One, no other racing exists. Like it's, it's just kind of the culture that, that um, um, Formula One kind of happens to be in and, and the mindsets of everyone over there. So when you leave or are told to leave for whatever reason and and you have to find other options to to continue your career you're not 
quite aware of, of how special those opportunities are because at the end of the day, no, the cars aren't as fast. I mean, that's, that's a given. Some of the tracks aren't as grand and the locations aren't as spectacular, but ultimately the, the thing that we all fell in love with at five years old, 10 years old, 15 years old, whatever it was when we started racing was the competition side of things and, and standing on the top step of the podium and, and giving, um, or getting that opportunity every single weekend. So I think that's the thing about IndyCar that is so special. It's, it's while it's still very advanced in its own way in terms of technology and, and car performance and, and all of that, it's still, in my mind, has that small little bit of grassroots racing feel where people are there because they love to win and they love to compete. Going to just take another complete 180 here, and I assume you'll know what he's talking about. Our pal Kevin Perez Frederico says, Hey, Alex, I tried Liquid Death. And it was pretty good sparkling water brand. Have you reached uh-huh. out to their marketing team? It would make a cool livery on your Indy car. So it's interesting. So I was I was at Whole Foods during August, which was, you know, the month of May or whatever. And there was this brand. It was called Liquid Death. And I was like, that's weird. But I kind of, I got caught by like the, the story on the back. You know how some products oh, like yeah. vitamin water has like a kind of funny story about what what their drink's going to do for you. Well, liquid death is quite possibly the best paragraph or two I've ever read in marketing. So I sure enough bought the whole case or cases of it, um, sparkling and still. And then that was just my water that I had for the month of May. It was in my or month of August. It was in my bus and, and stuff. And people looked at me a little weird. Like, what is that? And I kind of explained it and they were like, oh, okay, the, the kind of, uh, pinnacle for me of where I realized this was pretty, probably not the best product for me to use was I showed up at the um, IndyCar virtual awards ceremony <sighs> banquet thing, whatever. And that was on a, that was during the evening on, on like a weekday. And I had just come from a team dinner and I was rushing and I was a little bit late. Anyways, I had a can of it in my car and I showed up to the museum and like three people came up to me and was like, it's, you probably shouldn't be drinking beer right now. And I was like, are you like, <laughs> A, why? B, that's completely not what's happening. It's legitimately water. And like, I had to show them the can and prove that it was, it was a can of water I was drinking. And it was at that point where I was like, you know what? I should probably stop and just go back to like your normal plastic bottles. But here's the thing. Aluminum cans are better for the environment, allegedly. And it preserves the taste of water better than plastic, allegedly. And there you go. So that explains yeah. why IndyCar's Kevin Rocket Blanche was doing the breathalyzer to you before you were climbing into the cars <laughs> during the month of August. All right, I got it now. We've 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 buttoned up that little story. Uh, yeah. Hey, let's just stay in this purely all about you lane of stuff. I'm taking for granted that hopefully it's all accurate. Uh, our pal Jerry Roberts Siddhartha says between smoking meats and flight training. You seemingly tend to thoroughly research and apply yourself completely to a hobby. So since you're a bourbon connoisseur, could we see you work towards being a master distiller once you hang up the helmet? And I will also just add, why wait? Um, so, so no, again, I mean, that's, that requires a lot of time commitment. I did try once a buddy of mine got me a, a little five gallon barrel they kind of sits on your countertop and I went and explored all the different like white dogs. So that's, that's bourbon that hasn't been barreled yet. So it hasn't actually, it doesn't have color to it. Um, and kind of created a mash bill of my 
what I would think would be good, and then actually added in some some fully uh, matured bourbon to it and let it sit and did the inside outside thing and all that, and it was absolute garbage. Um, so I, I won't be doing that again, I don't think. And, and on the topic of master distillers, I went when we went to um, get this IBS bottle of Bland's, which is at the Buffalo Trace Distillery, we met one of them, and this is just a fascinating fact. So under the Buffalo Trace brand, there's probably, or label, there's probably 10 to 15 brands ranging from $25 retail to $1,000 retail. Jeez. Well, it's legitimately the same exact ingredients for all of them. They're just aged in, in different um, locations of a rickhouse, so different floors towards a window, away from a window, and for different amounts of time. And then it's up to this panel of six or sorry, seven people who literally just taste it and say, that's going to be a Buffalo Trace. That's going to be a Blanton's. That's going to be a Pappy Van Winkle. And they just are doing it based on the flavor profile of their mouth, which is a hell of a skill, I think. Wow. I don't know if we've ever discussed bourbon at this length through more than a thousand episodes of my podcast. I should also admit, I probably should have said this up front and maybe I'm opening myself up to some pain and vomiting next time we see each other. I don't believe I've ever tasted bourbon. I don't think I've ever had okay. whiskey, bur- like hard liquor, like meh. I mean, granted there was a point in time where I don't want to lie. I did, but I don't think I ever ventured into this area. So I'm not okay. sure if I'm just super ignorant and I need to be un ignoranted or if i should just continue the streak but we'll find out i'm sure in indy uh yeah we we can we can figure that out no yes yes barfing by pruitt a new podcast series uh all right we'll go to we'll stay one more in this lane mike DeCardo. i think he sends you guys lots of questions says alex can attest i'm the resident food expert and troll on his podcast he wants to know what is your favorite mustard Oh, uh, I mean, whatever the yellow one is. Uh, is that Heinz, I guess? Aren't they all kind of yellow? I mean, no, but like the, the normal, like the most common yeah. yellow and red. Li- French's? Is it French's? I sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think so. I think they're all kind of the same, but that's good. Because if you had some really like, you know, there's an Albanian mustard and it's all I would eat. Actually, it'd be Actually, kind of on brand for you, but I'm glad to hear that's not the case. And we get silence. All right, let's see. Uh, Jameen Tuttle, a curious question here. Do you use your frustration from the 2020 season as a fuel, or do you erase it from your memory and look ahead to 2021 with a clean slate? Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a, a motivating thing for sure, especially when I look at St. Pete. Um, that, that one really makes me angry. So... Um, I plan on winning St. Pete by like 35 seconds um, just to make a point and we'll see how the rest of the year goes. But that's my, uh, that's, that's definitely a big, a big incentivizer for me having that kind of failure um, to end the season on. Let's stay on unhappiness for a moment. So St. Pete, you don't have many of those types of races on your record. Right. I mean, if we, well, I mean, if I did, I wouldn't have a job. Well, very true. But well, you know, 
we won't name names, but there's still a number of people getting paid in IndyCar right now who uh, uh, might have had all their little Subway sandwich things clicked and they're out of the game. But Senna had his 1988 win at Monaco end in the barrier after just kicking everybody's ass. Happen to watch that race live, by the way. I'm old. Uh, but you don't really, like him, have many of those where you go, wow, that is so out of character. Do you let something like that stew afterwards, or do you reconcile pretty quickly that, yeah, it's screwed up and I'm pissed off and I wish that didn't happen, but I don't make a lot of mistakes like that, so uh, I don't want to let this sink in too heavily? Oh, no. No, I'm the opposite. I let it sink in completely and debilitate me from the inside and then start <laughs> over. So I knew that. Uh, I just I was hoping for a sh- happier, shinier answer, but all yeah, right. No, 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 no. It, I mean, it's, uh, no. It, it, for me, it was completely unacceptable because, I mean, it was one of those things where, like, it was 100% my fault, and it was just a brain a brain fade. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, you got to, I mean, you have to learn from it, right? There's no point dwelling on it and not learning from it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it took me a while to, to kind of, sleep through the night after that one. Um, but it's fine. Cause like I said, it's, it's used as, as motivation for me. It's inspiration to, to go to the gym and be better and try harder and, um, work harder at, at what I'm trying to do. So it never happens again. A couple of quick questions here to close my man. and let you get back to your day. Nick Dovniak. Thanks, Nick. You've always got the stuff I'd never think to ask. Says Alex, what is it like to get the feeling that you have to sneeze? when you're doing 200 miles an hour? Thankfully, the the good Lord designed our body to not need to sneeze when you have adrenaline pumping through it, so it's not a big deal. See, look at that. Uh, Jason Hatfield wonders, favorite brand of bourbon that we might find easily in the Indianapolis area? Not the Holy Grail bourbons, but more, uh, more common ones your fans can find. You can't go wrong with Buffalo Trace, straight right. up. Uh, James Hinchcliffe confirmed today, full-time teammate, good for IndyCar, bad for IndyCar. I mean, I, whoever says it's bad for IndyCar, I need to talk to because that just doesn't make any sense. So it's, I mean, it's, it's great. Obviously on a personal level, he's, he's one of my best friends. So I'm thrilled for him. Um, I know it, it sucks having to go through the holidays and not really knowing, but kind of knowing, but still not knowing. Um, so I'm glad that, news is finally out and, and he can, um, you know, put that side of, of racing behind him and just focus on the year ahead. So it's, it's great for, for the series for him. Um, and yeah, I look forward to, to being his teammate. That'll be cool. The fine listener that is Andrew C asks what kind of mental swapping you ha- do you have to do and how quickly does it happen when you're going from your Acura ARX 5 steering wheel and control systems to the next day being in your Indy car steering wheels, systems, et cetera, but two different cars, two different things. What's the mental process like? Um, I mean, the, the GPI car is actually more complicated just because of, of all the, the traction control and software that we have available to us. Um, but again, I mean, I'm fortunate because that car and the IndyCar, quite frankly, hasn't changed in quite some time. So um, it comes back just very quickly. The analogy I use is when you're driving your pickup truck and then you go to your you know your sunday sports car or whatever it doesn't take you any time to to get used to it right it's it's kind of the same thing um you just you just adapt and you know they're they're both open wheel race cars and in some respects obviously the dpi car 
has a lot of body work and a roof on it. Um, but the IndyCar might as well have a roof on it now and is just missing the bodywork. So, so they are very similar. It's not like I'm going from, you know, an IndyCar to a, a GT3 car or something like that. I continue to lobby IndyCar to allow drivers to put small little fish bowls just on top of the chassis inside the aero screen because it kind of looks like a fishbowl to me. Uh, let's see. Zach Eckler thanks me for the horrible podcasts. Uh, is curious, would you, if you had the chance, to take your super producer, Thim, for a ride around Indy in a two-seater? And if so, would you want to make him poop his pants? Um, he's already been around with Mario. So I don't think regardless of how fast I tried to go, my, my experience would be able to, um, outdo that one. So I think he's good. Todd Murray asks, do you take time to reflect all these years later? He says now after five seasons, do you take time to reflect on how you went from not having what you wanted in F1 to seemingly have what you want in IndyCar? Are you a guy that takes time to do that now, or do you save that for when you retire? Um, you know, you got to remind yourself and and kind of be be thankful um, in the quiet times for for the opportunity you have. Because I mean, it's it's not forever for sure. Um, racing drivers' careers are quite short um, at the end of the day, so um, it is very. I, I'm very. I feel very fortunate to be in the position that I am. But with that being said, you know, there's still a lot of things I haven't accomplished yet. And, you know, you can't really rest on your laurels or complacency too much. Two to go. Nathan DeRover says you've raced an F1 IndyCar, supercars, off-road trucks. Is there anything you won't drive if asked? I actually got asked to drive, a, to race a boat, a jet boat um, <laughs> yes. this week. And like, I would have done it, but like, I can't do it between the roar and Daytona. That just seems irresponsible. So, but I will race a jet boat at some point. No problem. Jet boat Rossi. Ah, that is awesome. I love that. Uh, let's close with one that's a little serious. You know, this, this pulling on the heartstrings a little bit. Uh, Rob Ball says, Alex, with Marco, uh, now at least only committing to the Indy 500 this year, he's curious about chemistry in the organization. Do you think it might change in any way? And how do you think not having Marco there all season long might uh, be an adjustment for you and your other teammates? And nothing but love for Marco. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to be weird. I mean, he was, he was my team. I mean, him and Ryan have been my teammates since, since they won an IndyCar. Um, we've gone through the, the highs and lows together and sh shoot. I mean, that's what five years doesn't seem like it's been that long, but it's, it's been a long time to, to work with someone and, um, kind of be in the sport together. So yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it surprised all of us. I mean, he kept that one very quiet. Um, but I mean, ultimately I think, you know, we all know the, the kind of stresses and pressures and, and everything that, that go along with this sport. And if he, you know, feels that he needs to take a step back for, for whatever reason, um, that's what he needs to do. And I'm thrilled that he's still involved with the team. I'm thrilled he's still doing the 500 with us. Um, and I think we'll be seeing a lot of him in race cars. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too sad. I think he's going he's gonna to be back and doing something pretty soon. I love it. Well, we got anything to promote for you? You getting married? You got uh, well, nope. we know to go buy Klaus Dollar beer for sure. Yep, um, buy Klaus Dollar um, and buy some Auto Nation, definitely. Yes, sorry. So yes, drive your Auto Nation car to what Napa kind of Auto car? Parts. What kind of car? If you had a choice, drive your Auto Nation Honda Ooh. to Napa Auto Parts. Yes, to pick up your Carlisle tools 
to go work on your Honda Ridgeline over the weekend while you're drinking your Kloss Toller. Dude, I think you just signed up for like no, ten thousand so dollars in promotion. I missed. I missed. I missed that. So no. it's okay. All right, you're fired. I just got a I'll text keep, here. I'll keep from, working uh, on it. John Akeda says you're out this weekend. Uh, you didn't name. Uh... Shoot. Yes. Well, as always, I don't know if we did anything positive or added anything added anything to the universe, but we did successfully speak. So I thank you for that, Alexander Rossi. And all kidding aside, love having you on the show, man. It's always a blast, and hopefully uh, you're going to have a new uh, Rolex wristwatch to bring home Sunday afternoon. Yes, I certainly hope so. Thanks for for having me on. I appreciate it, man. We'll see you soon.